In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. On this episode of Crown Jewels, we're joined by a special guest and royal etiquette expert, William Hansen, to talk all things red, white, and royal blue. Prince Harry losing his HRH title officially. And we find out if William is a bowler. We are back with another episode of Crown Jewels, the elite podcast for the royally obsessed, presented by Betches Media. I'm Lex Nico. And I'm Samantha Bush, and this week is so exciting. We are joined by a special guest and royal etiquette advisor of the upcoming Prime video film, Red, White, and Royal Blue, William Hansen. Now, William Hansen is widely regarded as one of Britain's foremost and most trusted authorities on etiquette, is director of the English Manor, a leading UK etiquette training institute founded by a former member of the royal household of Queen Elizabeth II. And when he's not being the most dashing etiquette expert, he's also has a podcast called Help I Sexted My Boss, which is so funny. Guys, please go listen to it. (laughs) And is the author of three books and is currently writing his fourth book based on his aforementioned podcast to be published in November of this year. Welcome. Welcome, William. Hello. Thank you both very much for having me. What a bio. I know. I'm like, how do you sleep? (laughs) I sound marvelous from that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I'm delighted. And also, you can tell we're doing an American podcast because in Britain, they allow you like, you know, one tiny little mention if you're Mm -hmm. lucky. Whereas in America, you're so much more generous than we are. Oh, no. I mean, we were so excited to have you on. Can I give a little context as well? Because I don't know where the stars aligned here in us connecting and having you come on for the timing of Red, White and Royal Blue coming out. But I saw this movie maybe like five weeks ago in a screening. And I left the theater and I was just like, so happy and i was like i love this movie i was texting everybody to go watch this movie and they're like it's not out until august 11 i'm like well you know what when it comes out we're all watching it again (laughs) i'm so pumped and we cannot wait to talk to you so thank you so much for being here no that's a pleasure before we hit record i was telling him that (laughs) there's a clip of his podcast going viral right now because there's a segment where listeners like write in to his podcast and like with crazy stories and there's this I won't get into it but there's the crazy story and I and I was watching and I was like I think he's going on our podcast tomorrow so I'm so excited wait is this on TikTok (laughs) yeah it's on TikTok and it's all over Twitter oh my gosh okay I've got to look it up it's interesting (laughs) it's so funny yes it's please please make sure you have a broad mind and potentially a stiff drink yeah okay fine (laughs) So before we get into Make It Rain, we do this segment called Tea and Crumpets where we just get into like some hot topics regarding the royal family. Yeah. So I'm just curious before we get into everything, like what are your thoughts on the royals? Like what is your relationship with them? I am a monarchist. Uh, I believe that certainly within Britain, the royal family is the best that we can have or the best idea that we could have to, to lead the country. 
Obviously, if we were creating a country from scratch tomorrow, a new country, would we put in a royal family? No, probably not. <laughs> but our royal family has such a, a big history. And, and quite frankly, I think particularly in the last hundred years, you know, the, the House of Windsor is they're quite good at it. They know what they're doing. They've got it down to a fine art. And you've got to have a head of state, whether you like it or not. So the cost of protecting that head of state and their family would, would you're not really get if you sort of got rid of them as sort of the Republic movement in, in the UK sort of attempts to do from time to time, you're not actually going to save that much money, quite frankly. So I, I feel we might as well have people and also people I don't think in this country, we want to elect another people. Election turnout is so low as it is in this country. Mm -hmm. Anyway, if we start to have another election, I think you're just asking for trouble and you wouldn't really have a unifying figure. You don't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily say that Charles III is a unifying figure, but I think he's a more of a unifying figure than, let's say, you know, President Tony Blair, for example, right. <laughs> potentially would be the alternative. And that's who it would be. You know, it's not going to be Judy Dench uh, <laughs> being head of state or anything like we that. We can dream, it's, it, we can dream. She'd be great. <laughs> Exactly. So yeah, I, I'm quite pro monarchy for, for Britain. What are your, you know, she's such a hot topic, but I'm obsessed with her. And I'm so curious what you feel about her is Camilla, Queen Camilla. I love Camilla. Oh my okay, there we go. Do you love Fair. Camilla? Is that is that the obsession that you have? Sam? I love her. I call, call her, her a bowler. I'm a bowler. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. I think she's so misunderstood. I feel like she's yes. held it down and she loves her man and she's she like puts her head down and she's like, I'm focused on this and mm. I could never do what she does. All that hate she yeah, gets, she I, I don't know how she does it. Yeah, and you know, she still gets hate. I mean, anyone anyone that is in the public eye is mm -hmm. going to get hate mm -hmm. at, at some point. But she gets proportionally less hate now than, than she has done. She hasn't said a word about it. She has just knuckled on. She's just endured. Yeah, and I think she's got a wonderful sense of humour. Uh, and I think you have to, whether you are doing anything, but particularly the job that she now does as, as Queen Consort, and... You can tell that she doesn't, she thinks the whole thing's ridiculous mm -hmm. and she doesn't take it too seriously. And I think with anyone that is given power, it is those that take it too seriously or take themselves too seriously with it. I make no parallels with anyone else that's <laughs> been part of the royal family or not. That's where problems come, where mm. she just thinks the whole thing's ridiculous. You can see the twinkle in her eye. Um, and, and Charles is a completely different person with her than, than he was either without her or or with her, but with someone else. Mm -hmm. So I'm very, very pro Camilla. Wow. See, that's Sam, so refreshing. You, you know, I, wow, I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> end, end podcast. Yeah, that's, I know, that's, that's it. it. We've, we've She's like, that's, that's it. I, that's all yeah. I needed to Great know. job. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, Sam, it is time for Tea and Crumpets. So would you like to start us off with some royal subjects for our royal subjects? Yeah, speaking of people that take themselves a little too seriously, mm -hmm. 
Prince Harry's, his Royal Highness title or her Royal Highness title, however, you know, when the Queen was alive, is removed from the website. And I'm curious what you think about this because do you think he's relieved by this or do you think it's kind of like a dagger in, in his heart a little bit to actually see it be gone? Yeah, it's it's never it's never nice to see ourselves rebranded or restyled sort of even even with our knowledge and prime mm-hmm, knowledge and, and mm-hmm. obviously he he has had some prime knowledge for this i don't know i don't know how he will feel it then it was it was a great part of his identity for so long it was it was how he was born i'm not completely convinced this is purely speculation now but i'm not completely convinced that sort of the the post royal life has gone according to plan and obviously covid has come in and, and scuppered things as it did for for everyone um in many ways so not all of it is is their own fault but i would yeah, I, I would say it's it's a little it's a little sad. And however irritating we might find our family, and who doesn't find their family irritating from time to time, to actually sort of have almost the final, not quite the final, but close to the final separation. I'm sure he's I'm sure he's sad about it. It's it's bittersweet. Mm-hmm. But also, I think it's taken the royal household an awfully long time to get on and do it. Personally, uh, yeah, you know, that's what I was thinking too. I was like, it's taken them three years to just delete a few lines that's the royal family i mean so they actually gave a statement to express they said quote the royal family website contains over five thousand pages of information about the life and work of the royal family following the death of her late majesty queen elizabeth ii content has been revisited and updated periodically some content may be out of date until this process is complete but again to your point are they scrubbing the five thousand pages does every single page contain his title? No, it's a quick, you know, find and replace or find and erase. I think that could have that done. But I'm actually surprised that it took so long. And I'm curious, Sam, to your point, I'm curious if like, given the direction that things have really gone for him and Megan and Archwell and the bumps in the road they've been experiencing, especially this year, for this to be sort of like a cherry on top of all of that, do you think it feels like a little, like a little dagger in the heart or like, a little like, oh, did I make the right decision looking at the parallels of what's happening right now? I'm very curious what's going on with them. I really don't know what's going on in the House of Sussex in Montecito. Yeah. I don't I know, know what's going on over there. We speculate every week. And every single for a week. long time, there was there was really nothing coming out. There was no press. And if it was, it was negative. And then all of a sudden, Lex, we hung up our mics last week. And suddenly it was like an influx of yeah. People Magazine, Us Weekly. I was like, what is going on here? What do yeah. you think is happening? I found, so, okay, context. Last week, we hang up the mic. Us Weekly, People Magazine, The Cut, all of these major U.S.-based publications start coming out mm-hmm. with press. And we always say, you know, the British media is going to have a field day with Harry and Meghan. They know that she sells, like, headlines, sell, they get clicks, etc. But when it starts to trickle into the U.S., which is arguably like a very Megan Stan heavy country, that's when I start to be like, oh, shit, like what's going on in the House of Sussex? But these were very clickbaity headlines. And I looked through the articles and I actually like saw a couple of magazines at the grocery store and they were very positive. They were very like everything's fine. They're good. They're flirty. They're fun. And I'm just like, what is with these fluff pieces about Harry and Meghan that nobody asked for? And who 
asked for them and where is it coming from? And that's what got me thinking. You know what I mean? Like, it almost feels like somebody in their camp greenlit these fluffy pieces and off we were with everything's mm-hmm. fine, things are good, they're, they're having fun, they're enjoying their life with their kids in Montecito playing in the backyard. And it's like, okay. I don't know. When that happens, I just feel like it's like the girl that posts endlessly about her boyfriend on Instagram and that she loves him so much. And then a month later, they break up. Yeah. <laughs> it's no? like the long gushing post. Yes. William, does that happen in the UK? Is that like a signal? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes. All the time. You see friends that have just got with or people in your social circle that are constantly posting about their boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever it happens to be. And it's insufferable. I mean, I'm married to my husband, but I, I don't I don't post photos and gushy things about him all the time because it's 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 sort of our private life and it's personal mm-hmm. and he knows I love him. We've you know, we got married, we we said all the necessary words you to each got other. Married last year, right? Mm, yeah. The week the Queen passed. Yes. Yes, oh. you gosh, okay, you know a lot. Yeah. yeah. Some gentle stalking on crown jewels. <laughs> yeah, like just some light stalking. So sorry. In the name of research, in the name of like, research. <laughs> well, I like, got down like a rabbit hole and I couldn't, I couldn't get out. I was like, oh, we got married. Okay, there was a couch supposed to be delivered. Like I was, I was into it. <laughs> wow, I've forgotten about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, not the queen dying. That I haven't forgotten that. No. May she rest. That, we were so sad that day. So sad. Yeah. How was it in England? Like... What was the reaction like being there when that happened? I think, I mean, it wasn't as emotional as when Diana, Princess of Wales, died, because Mm -hmm. obviously she was much younger and wasn't expected to die. But, you know, the Queen was an old woman and, you know, that's that's the circle of life. So the sadness was was slightly more muted and slightly more reverential due to her age. But I think, again, no one sort of, because we had seen those photos of her at Balmoral, uh, greeting Liz Truss and sort of, yes, she looked frail, but she was smiling, she was standing. Mm-hmm. And so the outward appearance was that everything was okay. Mm-hmm. We obviously know, and I'm sure we will learn all sorts of things over the next 10, 20 years, that things were not okay. And so, yes, I think people were very shocked. I mean, I can remember sitting at the hairdressers having my pre-wedding haircut and my, my now husband texted me with, something's just happened in the House of Commons. Uh, so I sort of got my hairdresser to hurry up because I wasn't focusing. And uh, I went and sat in the cafe and started counting 10 days of national mourning, thinking, oh my God, what if she goes today? Or if she's already dead, that will put the funeral here. And that sounds awful mm-hmm. because, of course, we were getting married in the middle of it. And it sort of didn't enable me to have the reaction to the Queen's death that I would want to have mm-hmm. because I was then rather selfishly thinking of our wedding yeah Uh, and i'm sure obviously some people were getting married on the day of the funeral but and obviously me being me uh if i you know (laughs) i was sort of just a a, a builder or someone or not not a royal person i'm sure i could we could probably crashed on with the wedding but i thought gosh if they do put the funeral on the day and also the venue we got married in was related to the royal family sort of so again they would be busy blah 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 so there were all sorts of balls in the air in the end it was fine we got married on the friday the funeral was the monday it was fine but we were the most secure wedding possibly ever happened because we had the uh, emperor of japan in the hotel we had the president of oh my ghana gosh. we had the president oh my of gosh. all sorts of other countries oh. so the security in the hotel was phenomenal and most guests thought it was for us <laughs> um which which you did not correct them no <laughs> yeah that oh is my fun goodness. 
But that's such like, I feel such a British thing to how the queen was, how she was so stoic in public. And we mm. would never know that if she wasn't doing well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was like, I'm putting country first. And that's just what she always did. Yes. I mean, she was literally dying, but she mm-hmm. got on with the job. Yeah. <sighs> and I think in all of our professions we could all learn a little bit about that whereas now you know i was gonna say couldn't be me (laughs) yeah (laughs) well luckily you are host of this podcast Uh, and not a head of stage yeah (laughs) sam has a sprained ankle and honestly i'm proud of her for even Mm -hmm. sitting right now (laughs) yeah (laughs) i fell down the stairs and i was like do i have to podcast like (laughs) i do have more i mean i have so many questions for you but on this vein of what's going on with harry and megan of the queen doing her job you know till infinity you said a few years back William that you felt that William and Kate were acting too normal and they need to be royal so what is your take on these young royals and we can talk about Harry and Meghan we can also talk about William and Kate Mm. and how they need to be you said they needed to be more stately which I feel like they've evolved into but I'm curious because I feel like we always hear this discourse in the media around how we need to modernize the monarchy, but then we also want them to uphold to specific traditions and values, and I feel like they can't always win. Mm. So do you feel like yeah. Harry and Meghan were never gonna win or they should have stuck it out? And how do you feel like William and Kate are doing right now? I think, yes, William and Catherine, I think, have become, have, have sort of found a really nice balance mm-hmm. between being modern and being royal. Because I think if you let too much light in behind the curtain, as the, as the saying goes, then it becomes less royal. You know, you, you, they're just, well, what's what's the point? Why fund them? I mean, they're just like you and I. Uh, and if, if sort of everyone knows that if they're going to stand outside Buckingham Palace at 11 o'clock on a Wednesday and a Friday, they're all going to come out and wave, uh, and they'll do a bit of a show, like they might do at the front of Disney, mm-hmm. uh, at Rope Drop, then again, it beca- it becomes less of a the mystique is is eroded. And so at the time that I wrote that piece for the mail, I think Harry and Meghan had just become engaged, I think, and so they were doing their sort of engagement tour and we were seeing a lot more tactileness uh, from all four of them. Uh, for Harry and Meghan, it was arguably less of an issue because of who Harry is or was mm-hmm. and his his ranking and the fact he wasn't going to be king. Whereas for William and Catherine, it, it slightly uh, rankled me. I think with... Megan, Megan, I mean, it's so frustrating that, that Harry, it's ended sort of the way it has. I know. Because Megan and Harry could have helped evolve the monarchy. And monarchy has to evolve. You, you can't still behave like the court of George III. You have to, have to evolve it. Where I think it went wrong is, is the culture clash in the fact Megan was West Coast American and in generally my knowledge of the West Coast, every time I go to the West Coast, I, I get sort of this intoxication of can-do, positive, yes, quick, yeah. change, great, go. Mm. And that's just not how G- Brits in general, but particularly the royal household operate. It's glacial change. Queen Elizabeth and, and the Duke of Edinburgh, Philip, changed things, but they didn't change things overnight. It was at glacial pace and it worked. And I think it was just a sort of frustration of, well, why... Why is this not happening now? Maybe it was not understood. Yeah, I get that. And I think, I think again, I'm like, I'm a biracial person. I very much looked up to Megan when she was in the royal family and, you know, as a person and beyond. But I, that was one of the sentiments I always made where I was just like, I just wish they had stuck it out a little bit longer. And I know that it was so terrible and I know it was so tough, but it's just like, 
maybe it's selfish of me to say, but I always was just like, I just wish they stuck it out so that we could have seen what would have happened because I also had this obsession, which Sam knows, with like the Fab Four. And I do have this fantasy of them all reuniting and things being fine, but you know. Could be a pipe dream at this uh, point. Yeah, I don't think that now will ever that happen. Now Harry's off the site, <laughs> HRH, yeah. no more. So, I think you're more likely to see the Fab Three reunite. That's oh. my, that's my hunch. Oh my based goodness! Based on no evidence whatsoever. I know. I love a hunch. We I love. love a hunch. We love a hunch because <laughs> I have a hunch that I give them less than two years in America. Like I bet you they'll be back in Britain in about a year and a half. It's just my hunch. Good luck with that. <laughs> Good luck to them if they do. Maybe not them together, but mm. I just think like at some point time passes and things become less monstrative. Like it's less intense and like things die down. And I just mm-hmm. think like when the dust settles, clarity will come to him and he'll be like, wait, I just lost my whole family. My whole family. Yeah, and, and he has grown up and family has been, as it is to, to a majority of people who are fortunate to have a, a, a decent family and for however many problems the royal mm-hmm. family have, you know, they are they are generally a decent decent bunch, most of them. You know, family is, he is very, is important to him. Yes. Um, and so for anyone to lose your family, however irritating the families might be at times, is... Mm-hmm. is sad and if he's if he has a normal human reaction of course he's going to be sad about not being in touch with them and his friends as well yeah his friends i know he's losing his friends there's only so many times he can hang out with nacho you know like oh my gosh (laughs) they're in japan aren't they yeah they just got to japan nacho's very handsome Mm mm-hmm who the heck is this person (laughs) he's like a polo player he's one of harry's best mates and they every time like page six and mm-hmm. different publications on Instagram post sort of like trash news about Harry and Meghan. Nacho was like in the trenches of those comments being like, mm-hmm. not true. They're fine. And defending them for the voiceless Sussexes of social media. And he's called Nacho. Mm-hmm. It's like it's a nickname, right? It's not his real name. Oh, OK. But I mean, fine. they don't ever use his real name. No, he's strictly Nacho. Or maybe it is his real name, Nacho Figueres. Oh. Nacho. Okay. No, it's not. It's not. Ignacio. Ignacio. No. Ignacio Figueres. Nacho Ignacio. is a nickname. Okay, okay I was great. Say Nacho. I'm I like, will I will Google yeah, him after this. Oh, you please. should. You'll you'll like it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get into I'm getting off topic now. Whew. Let's get into our last topic before we make it rain. We've been talking about Harry and Meghan needing to do something. This is very Harry and Meghan heavy. Yeah, so, so typically our it's apologies. Like this, but, but Archwell bought the rights to the best-selling novel, Meet Me at the Lake, which was penned by Canadian author Carly Fortune, and they will work with Netflix to adapt the book into a film for the small screen. And they made a move, Sam. They did something. Uh, okay. And I need to know how you feel about it. <laughs> Saying that you're going to create a movie out of a book and actually doing that are two very different things yeah because they've been saying and doing a lot they've been saying we're gonna create an archwell audio experience and we're gonna do all this stuff with netflix for a hundred million dollars what have you done you've done one docu-series Mm-hmm. And an eight episode podcast for 20 million dollars like i just like i'll believe it when i see it i'll believe it when i see it okay 
Yeah, and it's as as we know with Red, White, and Raw Blue, that was a book uh, that obviously now mm-hmm. has become a film, and it's tricky, it's difficult, and there are all sorts mm-hmm. of other things that that have to happen before before anyone says action. Well, and especially you know the writer strike. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. What a time to buy a very true buy the rights to a book. <laughs> <laughs> I am interested though because Carly. So Carly is a Canadian editor. She was an editor of a few publications, Toronto Life, Chatelaine, the Globe and Mail, which is like one of our big three newspapers. And obviously Megan lived in Toronto and Carly was big in this world in Toronto. So I am very curious of what their personal relationship was or is or could be, given how long Megan was in Toronto and was obviously featured in like all of these publications during her time with Suits. Because they definitely had to have crossed paths. For sure. Well, we'll see. I mean, I, I have to read the book now, I guess. And <laughs> we probably won't get a movie until 2026. So yeah. I've got some time. <laughs> that but... movie will never happen. <laughs> I'll never forgive them for the 18-month gap of R12 Audio. Oh, yeah. Lex was okay. refreshing R12 Audio <laughs> podcast like every day, waiting and hoping that there would be an episode for like th- two years. Yes, because they, they did like a Christmassy thing and then nothing. Yeah, they had R12 Audio and then they went away for 18 months, which was like the two of them. And they were going to do interviews with like Oprah and Michelle Obama and things like that. Then they went away for 18 months. And then Megan came out with archetypes. And what fun we had. Yeah. <laughs> it was so dynamic. Oh, I love this. Well, let's get into Make It Rain, where we're going to ask you a ton of questions about red, white, and royal blue, and just Mm. everything etiquette, because that is your forte. Lovely. And let's give some context. So, Red, White, and Royal Blue was a book that has now been turned into a film, an immaculate film. I love it. I cannot wait for it to come out on Friday. comes out on Friday, August 11th, this Friday. And here's a little summary. So, when the feud between the son of the American president and Britain's prince threatens to drive a wedge in U.S.-Britain relations, these two are forced into a stage truce that sparks something deeper. And it is... I'm sorry. I'm going to gush about this movie, so let's just move on, because it is... I I loved it. I had me in all my feels. William, I want to know your... Like, can you give us your first thoughts or hot take? Have you seen the film in its entirety? I'm assuming yes. Yeah. Please give us your first thoughts. No spoilers, because... When this goes live, the film will not have come out yet. But I just need to know how you felt about it. I obviously, when you when you work on something, whether it's a film, a TV show, a book, mm-hmm. a podcast, or you know, just you, you're redecorating the bedroom uh, at home, for example, when you're very close to something, you have different different thoughts than where, maybe when you step back and you look at that bedroom three months later. So when I sat through the screening in London. I actually at several points teared up it for for good not 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 bad and I was incredibly proud of of the film there are lots of scenes that I hadn't seen that I was not involved in and and actually when it's all put together just yeah it's it's a lovely film obviously as mentioned I'm gay and it's a sort of film that would have I say hell I had a perfectly nice childhood and no real issues but just would have been nice to have or sort of on the scene when when I was sort of in my formative years. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I sort of just suddenly got, it was during the karaoke scene, I'll say no more. Uh, and I don't know why, because it's not <laughs> a particularly like, it's not like a like a, an emotional scene. They kind of play it for laughs at points. 
that I suddenly went, oh, this is just so nice and normal. And I, yeah, it was it was nice, and I watched it with two friends who were also gay, and they had similar similar thoughts to it as well. But um, yeah, when you work on the film, also it was it was during the like it was during the hottest the, the polo scene was filmed on the hottest day of the year, and it was insufferable in Britain. I cannot begin to tell you, and everyone was outside. Oh my gosh! And also we had to wear masks because although COVID was sort right. of less of a thing on set, we were taking big precautions, and so. You know, that bit's not fun in, in heat, uh, but actually the finished result is lovely and I'm really proud to be associated with it. And everyone I've spoken oh, yeah. to when I told them that we got the screener to see this film, they were so jealous, first of all, because they read the book <laughs> and they're obsessed because it's a it's a New York Times bestseller. Everybody's obsessed. Book Talk loves this book. So I think it will be a big hit. I can't wait for everyone to see it. I think there's a there's a huge pressure certainly on on Matthew the the writer and director and and everyone involved because it, you know it's not a new story in terms of there are some changes but but mm-hmm. generally it follows the, mm-hmm. the same structure of the of the book so it's I hope everyone loves it I think uh, my my husband who read the book initially before the film was even conceived uh, saw it as well and he loved it so yeah I think fingers crossed it all goes well I love to hear that I feel sure. I'm like, I've never felt more positive about anything ever that people will love this movie. I just feel like the two leads, they're like very, their chemistry is great. And I think they just like bring the story to life in such an authentic way. Like I loved watching them. I could Mm -hmm. truly gush about it, but I have, I have more etiquette specific questions. We both do. But speaking of the two leads, how like, or did even the etiquette training vary for those two leads? Obviously, one of them is the son of the U.S. president, and one is meant to be, you know, a British royal mm. or prince of hearts, Prince Henry. So how how do you go through training with the two of them? Or, you know, how do you vary that so that those little differences and nuances show up on screen? Yeah, well, I, I predominantly work with Nick and mm-hmm. Thomas, who plays Philip, the, the the brother whose wedding it is at the start, rather than uh, Taylor, who plays Alex, because obviously we don't want we don't want Alex or his yes. world to be too familiar with the British world, because we want that jeopardy uh, that we have from the start. And so it was sort of coaching. My first day on set was the ballroom scene, was the the cake scene, and so it was a great day to start because there were so many people on set Seriously? with all those extras and so sort of coaching the extras as to sort of how to interact with royalty because obviously if they are at the royal wedding they are in a circle because they have been invited and so you, you want to do a bow and a curtsy that looks authentic rather than oh gosh I'm getting all nervous because the first time meeting them because it wouldn't be the first time meeting any of them and then similarly working with Nick and the other members of our royal family and we should just say it's, a, it's meant to be a different royal family to the Windsors um, lots of parallels but it's technically different uh, royal family how they would interact or respond to people bowing and curtsying um, so yeah my focus was more on the British side uh, rather than than the American oh my gosh okay wait and that cake scene is that a one take wonder or how many takes can you tell us? <laughs> uh, it was it was several takes I don't know how much I'm allowed to say um, but there there were several takes and there were several versions of the cake I've always oh. wondered that like in movies, when there's scenes like that, I'm like, how did they do this? How many times did you have to do mm-hmm. this? 
I, you see, I've, I've only seen the film once in its entirety, and so I need to... Well, and that was a screening where I couldn't really say pause, um, but I need to, when it comes out on, on Prime Video, I will be there pausing it at certain bits, because obviously I know how the, how the sausage is made, as it were, mm. uh, to uh-huh. see if I can see and, and also check other things that I was involved in, sort of details in the background. Because we saw it on like an IMAX huge screen. It was at the BFI in London. It was such a large screen and your eyes physically wow. can't be... You're right. You can't see everything. So there's so Everywhere. many things I need to go back mm-hmm. and, and re-watch to check. But um, over, overwhelmingly a lo- lovely experience. I'm kind of curious what you would want Americans to know about like British etiquette or British royal protocol that like we just don't understand or can't comprehend. Think about. <laughs> I think, well, I think there, there were two, two things that spring to mind. Uh, and certainly this is what I was working with Matthew Lopez first during pre-production when it was a, wonderful to be brought on during pre-production and not sort of just brought in for the, for the filming. I, yeah, we were going to ask you that. When were you brought mm. on? Yeah, relatively early. Um, mm-hmm. In the grand scheme of things, so I've seen earlier versions of the scripts, and you know certain bits where you're like that would absolutely never happen uh, over here. Versus, mm-hmm. yes, you've got that absolutely spot on, well done. You know, just giving Matthew the confidence that he had written something that was authentic. Because I think with anything, certainly when I watch The Crown, for example, or similar uh, sort of royal uh, inspired pieces of uh, television or film, if there's something wrong, you, you sit there and you go, "Oh no!" and it takes you out of the story. <laughs> And you start laughing and you oh get distracted. Gosh. Has the crown done anything like that? I, I mean, where do we begin? Oh, okay. Because Lex <laughs> oh, and I think of it gosh. as like a documentary. Like we think no, everything. Please is- don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> On so many levels. We're like the docu series, The Crown. Yeah. No, no, no. This is amazing to hear this from your lens. I mean, so many things. I did. I did a video during COVID. I did a video that's on my YouTube channel. If you sort of search William Hanson or Etiquette Expert, The Crown. There's a tea scene with Jacqueline Kennedy in series two. Claire Foy is the queen, uh, and I have picked apart that particular scene. So it's on YouTube. You can go and watch it. Oh, watching that immediately. <laughs> I could go and do the, the whole series. But I love that's it. I enjoy watching The Crown. It's the Crown is a beautifully made piece of television. And I can I can appreciate the craft that goes into mm-hmm. it. The the latter series are particularly um, problematic, but the, the series one in particular was, was actually really good. Anyway, uh, going back to our story. So yes, it was it was going to, going through the script initially, going yes, no, mm, nearly halfway there was was a great thing. But in terms of sort of what Americans would misunderstand, and again, you know, potentially this is potentially something that that Megan didn't, um, but lots of people misunderstand is well, just like just like the president of the United States and the first family, they are funded by us. And it's mm-hmm. us, the taxpayer, not not you two, but well, you fund, if you are an American citizen, you fund, yeah. you fund your own head of state in, in each country. But, you know, these are, um, it, it's a fairly sort of, certainly for a monarchy, more so than a presidency, it's, it's quite a tightrope act. And you are being paid for and subsidised heavily by the British taxpayer. And so your actions are accountable full stop and if you don't like it mm-hmm. you can leave that's fine and that that option is open to anyone but yes that's that's the bit that i think some people don't get and also the fact that you know there are there are rules but there aren't that many rules and we see this i'm mm-hmm. sure you've talked about it on your podcast over the years about you know wrong shades of lipstick and tights have got to be this color and yeah. you know there's no rule Nail book. polish yeah 
There's no rule book that says that. There's convention, and conventionally we do this, and precedent, but it, there's not protocol. Uh, protocol, in effect, is just event management. And obviously in a royal circle, it's sort of rather grand event management. And so how do you get, like, so Prime Video, they're like, we're going to turn this into a movie, great. How do you get brought on? Like, who contacted you? Is it the director, the writer? Is it Amazon? Like... How, when do you come in and, and how does that happen? I'm so curious. Because I love, I, I didn't even think about the fact that you're like going through early iterations mm -hmm. of the script and giving feedback, but that would obviously be so important to the authenticity of the story. Mm. Uh, so I was brought, I just had an email from my agent saying you've had an oh. approach via Amazon. Uh, so I don't quite know whose idea it was. I should really have asked somebody. Uh, but again, when, when you're on set and you've got people covered in cake, it's not really the time to ask. Um, mm -hmm. You just sort of allow them allow them to continue. But no, I, I got asked. I remember sitting here in the very chair I'm sitting in. I turned to my husband who's working next to me and I said, oh, uh, I've just I've just been asked to, to be involved with Red, White and Royal Blue. And he knew that Matthew Lopez was, was directing it. My husband loved The Inheritance, which was Matthew's. Uh, play on the West End and Broadway and my husband just said well you're doing that you've got to say yes to that <laughs> and I said well I mean we haven't even got to fee and we haven't got to practicalities and I don't know if I'm available he went, I don't care you're doing it so <laughs> that was decided so that, was, that was yeah that was a large part of my year last well, year well you know what now we know exactly <laughs> Uh, so that's how I was taken on, and it was, and again, beautiful to be involved in pre-production because so many productions that I have been involved in over the years have sort of then gone. Oh well, we've rehearsed all that. We can't really change that because this, and oh, well, that mm. was a pre-production decision. It's like, well, okay, well. But then you're kind of fine. standing there, and you're like, then why am I here? Yes, like if you're yeah, not going to take my advice. Exactly. And look, and, and in a way, I decided, and, and I decided that every film and TV thing I work with, including Red, White and Royal Blue, I see myself as a constitutional monarch within the film and TV production in that I can advise, I can warn, and I can listen. But I can't, so like our king now or the queen previously, I don't actually have any direct power. So I can tell the art department, the props department, the costume department, the director, do it like so. But I I can't, if they decide to do a different thing, I can't, there's not a lot I can do about it. So I see myself as the king in many ways, which I'm sure goes down well. <laughs> so in a lot of movies and TV shows, when someone is kind of coming into the royal family or marrying into the royal family, they go through like princess training or prince training. <laughs> And Meghan Markle famously told Oprah that she didn't receive any training. Do you think that that's accurate or is there something in place for them when they come in? There's nothing formal. I mean, look, my, my okay. proper job is running a running a, an etiquette training school. We you know we have classes. Um, there's there's nothing structured like that. But there are people around them uh, that might go right. We're going off to this place now, and this is sort of what's going to happen. And you're arriving at this time, and this person's going to greet you, and you will be presented with some flowers, and then you're going to be taken up to a ward, and then you go and do this, and we'll talk you through certain things. And obviously, and we see this with any person in the public eye, including people from, from sort of republics and, and other types of heads of state, is, is you've got to, they've got to listen. Um, or they may not be briefed properly in the first place, sometimes also happens. And so whilst there was nothing formal, there were people around to tell her that hopefully should have told her. And also with, with Megan, you know, she, why don't you ask Harry? 
because um, like your your husband slash boyfriend <laughs> might know. I said I was like, I feel like Harry dropped the ball here. I would yes. Mm-hmm. If I'm meeting your grandmother, the queen, I would hope you would tell me what to do. Yeah, quite. Just like just like yeah. if I was taking, you know, sadly my husband never met my grandmother, but if I were, I'd be like, oh no, she absolutely hates it when people are on their mobile phones in front of her. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you just, you'd go through some of that. You brief them, you just tell yeah. them. Yeah, whatever you do, don't mention such and such topic because it's really sensitive mm-hmm. or or she'll never stop talking about it. You know, <laughs> you, you just do that. Yeah. I do that when you introduce, you know, meeting a new friend and you just sort of have that little briefing in the Uber or uh, on the tube or wherever you're going you just sort of chat it through but of course maybe there was not not as much communication clearly (laughs) (laughs) so i pulled some american etiquette versus british etiquette Mm -hmm. from a very trusted source bravotv.com they ran a show called ladies of london i don't know are you familiar i'm familiar Okay, I was obsessed with Ladies of London. Sophie Stanbury is like an icon to me. But so I was curious because they had talked to these women about like what Americans would do that would really rub British people the wrong way. So I'm curious your thoughts. Go for it. Introducing yourself. Is that a yes or a no? I would say it's a yes now, but it probably never used to be. Correctly in British etiquette, you would always be introduced in a social setting. Um, okay. In a business setting, it would be absolutely fine to introduce yourself. And things are changing. We are slightly relaxing. Yeah, you're <laughs> we're slightly relaxing. <laughs> also, talking about the weather, I, they were saying is a good way to determine someone's personality, like if they're positive or negative, and it's kind of a good mm. thing to talk about. But I've heard that talking about the weather also is one of the things you shouldn't discuss. No, we would definitely encourage it. Look, it's not exciting. We're not we're not professing that talking about the weather is the most exciting topic. But in Britain, yeah. the weather changes all the time. And so... I find it thrilling. <laughs> it's a good way. You say, if someone can make you laugh about the weather and yeah. can do a joke, mm-hmm. you think, oh, they're quite funny. Whereas if they're sort of taking it quite seriously or if they're giving monosyllabic answers, you're thinking, okay, I'm going to want to try and get rid of them. And it's a mm-hmm. safe, uncontroversial topic. If you're four years old, you can talk about the weather. If you're 40 years old, if you're blind, if you're deaf, you can experience the weather in some way. And so mm-hmm. kind, kind of everyone has an, a, an opinion about the weather and it's not controversial obviously if you're in california or if you're in um saudi arabia you're not going to be talking about the weather because it's sort of yeah. permanently hot it's like, and oh, sunny. It's sunny again yeah, yeah. sunny oh, nice. again <laughs> <laughs> and then there's another one crossing your legs is something americans do but then crossing your feet is something brits do is crossing your legs not a not a british thing at all no, we do we do cross our legs. I mean, I think it's more more ladies with skirts and and sort of why mm, we've okay. seen my my colleague Micah Meyer who came up with sort of Duchess Slant and Sussex Sit etc. Uh, why those sort of poses are popular is, is really just so you don't flash anything. Now, of course, if you're wearing trousers, you can kind of sit how you like because you're in trousers, whether you're male identifying, female identifying, or whatever. So it is yeah, ladies in skirts. Tradition, unless they're incredibly long skirts, would not cross legs, they would cross ankles. But again, if you're in a really long skirt that goes to the floor or you're in trousers, you can cross your legs, as long as the legs are together and not sort of splayed out. And the same goes for, for male-identifying people as well. Like man-spreading. 
It's the worst no. when you're on a yeah. plane. The worst, and there's and you're in the middle seat, and those two big men are next to you, and their legs mm. are just. <laughs> and you're just like, and, and they take the arm. You're like cringing. Yeah. No. It's horrible. Ugh. Horrible. Airplane etiquette is a whole other. It's thing. A, yeah, it's a whole other thing. <laughs> yes, it's, I know. And then an, the last thing is that Americans mm. are too smiley. <laughs> Caroline Um, Stanbury famously said Americans are so smiley. She says, I go days without smiling at anybody. (laughs) I think a smile is I think a smile is good because when we smile, we release a chemical called uh, endorphins and that relaxes us. And if I smile at you, it's you smile back and you've released endorphins and the endorphins are what relaxes and makes us feel happy. But yes, we are perhaps in Britain. We are slightly more negative generally or slightly more suspicious (laughs) uh, of things. And the default answer might be no to things rather than yes. Or how can we make this work? So we probably are less smiley, but I'm not I'm not saying that we don't smile. I've just been noticing Lex and I just oh, this whole time just like I know so excited. I, I mean I'm Canadian, okay? Do not bucket me in with these Americans. Like, yeah. I mean I live in America. I live in California where the weather never changes. Mm. But I am a Canadian. I'm a part of the Commonwealth. So you know, I take the best of both. Indeed, worlds. you are. You're like a hybrid American and Brit. Exactly. I'm a Midwesterner. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. <laughs> just, You're going to smile forever, though. I'm and just going to smile forever. Nice. Okay, I have one last question, though, because this is always what I, I like to do. I'm like, I, I like to take lessons. But if there was one piece of etiquette that you would give, like, as a general to people, is there one that you're like, if you don't do anything else, do this? Do you have that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, but I've got about 412 things. Um, generally, <laughs> well, you can give us a few. Yeah, you can give us like your top three. Or it's nice to be nice. So if you're ever in doubt, what should you do? Just do the nice thing. Is what I would normally say. You can never say thank you enough, whether that's thank you on text or an actual thank you letter, uh, or thank you in the street. Um, treat other people how you want to be treated. It's really basic. We're taught it at school. It's in pretty much any, whatever your religious persuasion is, basically every religious book basically has that in it uh, at some point. And even if mm-hmm. you're atheist, again, you know, it's nice to treat others how you, you want to be treated. But also, I would probably suggest you don't have, and this is true, I think, in this day and age, you don't have to comment on everything and you don't have to have an opinion on everything. And if you don't know, it's best to sort of admit you don't know, or, oh, I haven't really thought about that, and just move on, rather than trying to have an opinion or trying to have a controversial opinion. You can just sort of give a non-committal, mm, okay, or mm, quite, or gosh. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to sort of go beyond gosh if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a friend who famously said that. to me, not everything has to be a hot take. She said that to me about two years ago, and I think about it all the time. <laughs> I love it. Well, that is it. Thank you so much, William, for spending time with us today. As we said, you were the Royal Etiquette Advisor of Red, White, and Royal Blue, which comes out on Prime Video this Friday, August 11th. And just to wrap up, please, I know we mentioned it in the intro, but tell us what's next for you. What are you doing? A little shameless plug (laughs) goes very far here. Well, we'll be continuing with the day job, which is um, running the English Manor, which is an etiquette training institute in London. And then my podcast, Help I Sexed My Boss, uh, we have that continues weekly. And then our book comes out, published by Penguin Random House, on the 9th of November. So we're very excited for that. And that's sort of the podcast in book form. It's a, it's a modern etiquette book. 
Oh, I cannot wait. Yeah, you have to check And out you know podcast. what? That's my best friend's birthday, so I know what I'm getting her for her birthday. We'll do the dedication. Sending that straight through. And William, tell everyone where they can follow you. Uh, well, on all the usual social media platforms, but TikTok and Instagram are probably the best, too, at the moment. Amazing. Thank you so yeah, much for being so much here. For this coming. was so fun. I've loved this. Could ask you questions forever. We really I could sit here it. forever. Thank you both, Lex and Samantha, for having me. <laughs> All right, you guys, that's it for this week's episode of Crown Jewels. Be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. We'll have new episodes every single Thursday, so be sure to subscribe now so you don't miss our next episode. Tell all of your royally obsessed friends and follow me at LexNico. And you can follow me at Bravo Historian. And until next time, may God save the bitch. Batches.